everybody. I'm Adam Hergenrother. This is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. We are on, Hallie and I are on part two of the Conscious at Work series, one that's near and dear to both of us because we love talking about conscious at work, in work, in business, in making money, but then letting go of the money, in the impact, all of that stuff. So we're jumping into it today. Part two is all about imposter syndrome the ego and letting go. And if you haven't experienced imposter syndrome or feeling like a fraud, I promise you at some point in your career, you will. <laughs> so I'll start off um, today's episode, uh, part two, with probably about, I actually think it was, I think before the show, how you said like five years ago, I actually think it was probably more, because we're in 2021 now. The other day I was actually writing no. it out because I don't write dates that much just because it's filled out typically for me. And I actually had to write down 20, I was like, is it 2020 or 2021? I felt, I, I was like, literally, I was like, did I really just have to ask that question? Well, is it really was 2021? Yeah. I really had to stop for a second. I thought I was like, eh, this is interesting. Um, but we were in 2021. I always try to, this is how I remember, this is a weird way to remember dates sometimes. And when I try to think of where you were at is I think where, what office were we in? Mm, and that's I, a good one. yeah. And I'm like, okay, I, uh, I feel like wherever we're this Mountain happened, Drive. that's exactly where I thought. And I think we were still upstairs. I was in the back corner. Yes. That's yes. right. Yes. Okay. By the way, you know, do you remember that story when I was in the back corner and I was, I was there like seven thirty, eight o'clock at night and I had a golf club in my hand and I, cause I, that's when I was golfing a lot and okay. I was in that office in the back Yeah. and I was the only one in the office. It was a Friday at like seven thirty at night. This is when I was working a tremendous amount of hours. Um, which feels like the season right now in my life. But uh, I was in that corner mm -hmm. and I had a golf club that was just, that I used to have like a putter, but I yeah. actually had like a pitching wedge in my hand. And I remember I, my door was shut just cause I was, I talked loud and fast and I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was on a, some sort of call okay. and I got a knock on the door. I was like, wow, who's that? So I had the golf club kind of in my hand just as like a seven thirty at night, it's dark. I opened the door and it was police officers with their guns drawn. Really? You remember that? I do not remember. Yeah, they story. came. They literally had their guns. They weren't pointing at me. They were pointing at the ground because they weren't sure. Did they get a call or something? Yeah, they did. That somebody, uh, the alarm went off in the building that we were in, <laughs> and I was the only one in there. So they we literally went into the whole all the way back there, and they saw it. They're like, "Drop your club!" But I'm in a suit. Oh I had a club. God. Yeah, it was hilarious. It just made me kind of think of that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't there yet. Yeah, you were. Point. Really? Yeah. yeah. I just yeah. It was, it was a really interesting that. story. Um, it clearly wasn't as. Uh, uh, as conscious at work as I could have been because I showed up there. But anyways, it was, it was a fun story. So when I was there, one of the really interesting things, I think this was probably 2012, 2013, mm -hmm. uh, really when I had started from an actual like mechanical, what am I doing in business standpoint? I was at this point no longer selling real estate. I was really more leading um, and really trying to figure out where to place money, how to lead other people. I was teaching a lot. I was really trying to grow myself a lot. So I was reading a lot just involved a lot of more leadership, I guess, if you will, it's kind of moving to that whole side of it. And that'd been a couple of years of kind of more of that kind of infancy stage of leadership. If you will. We were three, four companies in, I think yeah. three or four companies in at that point. Yeah. Um, the so, brokerage was, was doing well at that yeah, point in time. Expansion had already launched. Yeah. BlackRock had already, BlackRock Construction had already just launched. Launched. We may have been dabbling in some other investment stuff at that. Yeah. I think we point. had two teams launched for expansion at that point. Yeah. 20, 2013. She was a really cool. More than that. Tw yeah. 2012, 2013 was when I actually, because I started the brokerage in 2010. And I remember not taking any money out of that for the first three years to build up all the reserves in there. It's just kind of a mechanical thing from business. And I remember in 2013 was when we first started instituting distributions. I was like, mm -hmm. wow, this is great. It only took three years we would do, but I wanted to make sure the reserves were in there. So we never had to worry about the reserves in there. Right. They've kind of stayed in there for that time. Anyways, during this time, because we this part of leads into the story, I had reserves in most of our accounts. We were doing well in kind of all aspects of life in terms of external, right? Mm -hmm. 
And I remember um, it was like a Wednesday or Thursday. I actually ended up having a call uh, with a mentor of mine. And I remember I just, I didn't know how to explain it, right? Because I can't explain it like I can 10, nine years later, eight years later. But I remember sitting there just feeling empty, like hollow, like I didn't have worth. And part of it stemmed from um, that I wasn't struggling against something and it felt almost effortless to do this and almost like too good. And so therefore, I think a lot of times in business, in the jobs that we're doing, when things start to feel like they're going well and you don't have to work as hard, like, I don't mean like necessarily hours necessarily. I mean, like you're trying to push through something and struggle through something. It starts to like life starts to unfold easier for you and things start to go and you're not in the, in the actual grind of it every day of like struggling to get something up and, and worrying about cash flow where it's coming from. That's a phase of business. But when you start getting past that and it's almost like you just kind of take a deep breath for, you know, a couple months or a year, it's one big deep breath, right? And you kind of let it exhale. I was like, man, I feel really, um, just, uh, shallow. Can, can I add a little bit more yeah. context to that too? Because I think there was, there was certainly that whole thing going on, right? With the, with the companies were doing well, there wasn't a whole bunch of you know, you weren't struggling to figure out how to pay payroll yeah. anymore, like things like that. But also you had to, a lot of leverage at that point as That's well. Point. So, um, you know, the brokerage, you had to show up what once a week yeah. and maybe meet with people and make sure things were going well there. Um, the real estate team was being run largely by somebody else. Mm -hmm. You might do some coaching and training, but again, that was being handled. Um, we had a great team in place for Blackheart Construction. Again, you weren't in it, in it on a day-to-day -day basis anymore. And I think we also were starting to do some more coaching and training mm -hmm. stuff, which is where you ended up showing up more. Yeah. Um, but you were highly leveraged yeah. too. So it was like, where do you, they didn't really need you anymore. In fact, well, they, they didn't, they didn't need you in on no, a day-to-day right. day yeah, -day basis. Right. Yeah. They needed your leadership and for you to stay, you know, 20 steps in ahead. Vision, yeah. But um, they didn't need you from a, from a, that day-to-day -day perspective. And oh, I was going to add something else about, um, well, if people are thinking too, while you're, while you're thinking, yeah. um, it's not like we had a hundred employees either. We probably right. had 15 yeah, yeah. about, so it's not like you have to, to be high hundred agents or something. Yeah. Like but, together, like, yeah. but you know, we probably had 15 employees. Yeah. We had more than hundred agents cause we had hundred agents at the brokerage, but we probably had 15 or so employees, but it wasn't like we had, a, you know, 50 employees or 80 employees or hundred employees. Right. So I think something you can actually be highly leveraged with like four or five employees. Mm -hmm. So I, I know that many people feel this way. Anyways, when you start to feel really inauthentic, hollow kind of shallow, like where's my worth? What's my value to the organization? And that's all tied up. And I remember getting on this call and I started explaining it like that. And he goes, Oh yeah, you feel like a fraud, right? And it was, I never heard that phrase before. And I just kind of stopped in my tracks and I was like, yeah, I do. Like, I didn't know what else to say. And he was like, yeah, that happened to me for many years. And I was like, really? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, of course. And, but let's, why did you feel that way? Why well, did I explain that? Because I mean, for one, we had reserves, so I wasn't figuring out where cash was coming from. Right. We had leverage. So I didn't have an actual job anymore. Like I wasn't struggling against something every single day. I still had a job. I, yeah. And I, I don't want to put words in your mouth either, but, um, but you're going to, so. I, I'm going to just say it, did this contribute to it at all? Uh, our company was getting massive awards. Um, we would be, you mm. know, yeah. called up on stage to do stuff. And believe me, it's not that you didn't do all of the work to help us get there, but it was no longer, yeah, that's a good point. you were now being rewarded. Our company yeah. was being rewarded and you actually weren't doing anything any, yeah. right. I, I mean, yeah. I'm exaggerating here, yeah. but like you weren't actually any, no longer contributing on a day to day yeah. operational basis, but we were getting 
Well, actually, or, I think though, I think I think you made a good point. I think the company was getting awards, but I was getting the recognition for the awards, absolutely. and that felt inauthentic because yes. I actually wasn't the one doing it. Like when a baseball right. player, you know, wins a home run derby, yeah, it's because certainly there's a team, but like they swung and hit it, right? Yeah, I started seeing that. Like I re- started realizing that in that in that kind of early on years that like. And I didn't actually operate a hundred percent from that place. Um, but I realized that, man, I'm not actually doing all this. Like right, it's we have a team that's yeah. doing almost all of this and Correct. where's my worth? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say in the early days, um, you would get awards. I, I don't even know what they were cause I wasn't a part of the team, but like top, top sales agent, right? Yeah. I got actually one in one in 2008, two years after I started real estate, I got the number one, I was the number one Remax associate of the year. Right. But you actually yes, I accepted it. I did all the work. Yes, exactly. We were calling clients at all hours of the night, and you know that was you. And I imagine you probably didn't really feel like a fraud in those days. You know, I didn't at all. And then, and then that's my point, right? Like three to five years later, I actually felt very hubris and like very egotistical because I was like, "Look at me! Look what I'm doing!" And there was no fraud coming in there, right? (laughs) Because it was all like puffed up, right? Yeah. And the whole point of building a business and being a great leader is when you can lead, it's that it's almost that dichotomy or the, like, um, I heard like the double bind or something. I don't know if that's the correct term for that, but the whole point of building a great business and being a great leader is to be able to lead through other people and and succeed through others. And yet when you finally get that wet, get there, you're like, Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of exactly how I thought it was going to feel. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think that's, um, the mind again, creating a story around how you're going to feel when something happens, whether that's a certain amount of money that you get. And I understand there's mechanics. If you're not making, you're making less than, you know, $50,000 a year, surely adding money as a household or adding money probably increases your happiness. But at $7,500,000 a year um, as a household or something along those lines, if you have a family, you're not going to really increase your, I think it's like $74,000, the studies show, right? It's very, like a less than a percentage increase in happiness. But however, if you ask somebody making 75, you want to go make 200,000, how much more? their happiness is going to increase. How much more is I going to give you? I bet you in that moment, they would say, Oh, I would just, it would be amazing. It'd be something, it'd be like a whole new world to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm sure people would say that. However, I promise you, if you start making 200,000, yes, you probably do more things with it and you can have fun. You can go play with the material world. That's fine. I promise you, you're not going to feel like you think you're going to. And I think that's what you're saying is that the mind starts playing these tricks with us that says, Hey, if you just get to this point in business and get this and you can operate from this position, it's just going to be like this Christmas that comes down for you. And you're going to, I'm going to inject some serum in you and you're going to feel a certain way. Yeah. Well, I think that people not maybe just you, not just you, but just some people, they still want to contribute in mm-hmm. some way and they still want to, well, of course. And yeah. And yeah. like you specifically and me specifically, like you still want to create and feel like you're building something. And when everything is going perfectly, you're like, where's that struggle yeah. or where's, where can I go? break something and yeah. go fix it. And then what did your mentor tell you? Well, I think, yeah, he said, well, you, you may have to take a day or two and actually just read. That was his exact words. Like that's, 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 your, that's job. your job. Your job now is not to do your job is to learn. Mm-hmm. And then that's why when you hear any leadership books and, and that are written, it's like Warren Buffett reads eight hours a day. Mark Zuckerberg still reads this, you know, um, Bill Gates carries around a, ba- a bag with him and he reads what, like, 
you know, six, seven hours a day. That's all he does. He carries around 25. If you ever watched that documentary, I mean, he carries around 25 books with him, right? Mm-hmm. Just to read. Now I'm not saying you need to go read that, but part of what you're, you need to do is actually need to go out and create a day. Like I like to think of that as like Thursday afternoons and Fridays are my days where I may not be structurally working. That's why we have this definition of like, what is work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm saying we have a definition, but people have this, this idea that work has to be something that you're doing and struggling with. If you're not doing that, that's not really real work. Whereas actually like learning, growing, gaining more information. So you have more clarity on where the organization going is your biggest asset that you can bring to the organization. Mine's not marketing. Mine's not. I was going to say, let's just clarify that. That's the biggest asset leader, like leaders, leaders yes. and maybe entrepreneurs or business owners can bring, yes. bring to the company. Cause I'm pretty sure that you aren't paying our director of marketing to go read for two hour, two days a week. No, but I'm talking about from leaders, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. In, in either case you have to find as your job starts to evolve, you have to continue to evolve too. And that's why I was saying, you don't have to necessarily go read two hour, you know, two days a week, but you should at some point start implementing more reading or podcast and materials in your book, in your, in your library. So you can actually start implementing that in your daily life. Because at some point for most entrepreneurs, for leaders though, as you start leveraging out and you start working through these things, you start to feel like a fraud. I actually think though, too, as an employee, uh, as, as employees, you can feel when the organization is doing well. And if you're really really loving what you're doing and it's not necessarily just a job to you and, and you're putting it in, you're, you're putting the time and energy in there and it starts to go really well and you're not struggling with something or you had a big project and you're struggling with it the next couple of weeks you can feel kind of lost right then it's like okay what can i go dive into so i think one of the things to be really cautious of is when you're having the imposter syndrome or you start feeling like a fraud or this may show up in the feeling like the energy that starts to come up doesn't just say hey i'm fraud the energy doesn't know it it's just starting to come out and you can label it like we're so sensitive, but people don't pay attention to this. Like you can, the minute you feel jealousy, you can tell the difference between jealousy energy and irritation energy or anger energy, right? You can feel the slight subtle differences of the energy and how they start to leave your like manifest through you, right? That's how you can, that's how we label them. How are you feeling? Anger. How are you feeling? Jealousy. How do you know? Well, it's a feeling and I have that feeling. That's what I call it, right? And the energy doesn't know that. So when you start to feel the energy come up a bit feeling like, oh, I feel just hollow, Cause that feels different than anger. And so it's a different, you start to feel that come up in there. People tendency to try to go, I need to go fix this feeling. And so inst- and we're just working at the root here, right? So instead of going and actually fixing the feeling, why don't you actually just surrender to the feeling and sit with it? And this is kind of getting into letting go, right? Because you have this imposter syndrome, it shows up. What most people tend to do when that feeling starts to show up, they go try to, as a leader, you would go in and try to break something, insert yourself into like seven meetings that you shouldn't even be into. I did that, right? Like just to feel your worth. Because what you're saying is, I don't like the way this feels inside. It's very uncomfortable. And I don't like the way this feels. Now you don't say it like that, but that's what you're thinking. So therefore, I go to my mind and ask my mind, make this feel better, and so then the mind goes, oh, you need to go get in a meeting. You go, yes, that's great. Then you go get in all these meetings that you have no business even being in and you start controlling the meeting and contributing in the meeting in a way that's probably not the best use of their time or your time. And so then you start inserting yourself in all these things just to feel, just, just as a byproduct of trying to get that energy that you feel uncomfortable to go away. Yeah, I just wanted to add that um, I think it also shows up in uh, micromanaging for sure. Mm-hmm. leaders who end up micromanaging that's usually some sort of trying to distract themselves from the feeling syndrome. yep yep 
Um, and then from the employee perspective, and maybe from a leader perspective too, I, I guess it doesn't even really matter. I also see um, the withholding of information mm-hmm. um, is a indicator usually to me that there's some Not sort sharing. of feeling yeah. of fraud or um, of imposter syndrome when, so, yeah, when somebody isn't sharing or like they're, I'm the only person who can do this, yes. that sort of yeah. mentality. Um, not wanting to let go, let go of certain things or not wanting to train somebody appropriately, um, because they are afraid of feeling insignificant. Yeah. I I think those are awesome examples. All of those examples are just variations of that energy coming inside you not being able. So this is when people follow this for a while, like we're we're talking about in business, me spirituality, when that energy shifts and you feel like a fraud and and authentic, like you're not putting value in there. You then respond from that energy to try to fix the energy instead of in that moment, letting go. That's the whole point of everything that we do. And this whole series is in that moment right there. You have a choice. That is your choice. You can wake up or you can become unconscious right there. That's when people want to hear like on the boots on the ground. What does that feel like? That's it. When that energy shifts and you feel that way, you have a choice in that moment before you become unconscious. Because the minute you become unconscious, what I mean by that is you go to the mind, the mind says, go do this. And you start doing that. And as you do it, it does make the energy feel okay. You start moving around the energy, you start doing something and it starts moving, but it only does it temporarily. That's the problem. It doesn't work. It doesn't actually get rid of the feeling. All you're doing is you're masking it. You're pushing it back down. You're not letting it come through. So in that moment right there, when that energy shifts, you have that decision. You go, I can go distract myself in business to make myself feel better. Or I can sit here in this incredible discomfort. <laughs> it's like a withdrawal, right? It's, it's the worst. It's the, it's the most addictive drug that people are on. And the U S is in the world pretty much is addicted to that of the mind of making it feel better. So in that moment, you can say, I'm going to sit here and not touch this. I'm in, I'm accepting the fact that this feels very uncomfortable. I can feel it and I'm going to let it work its way through. Then here's the thing. If you pause the, the Dalai Lama talks about the sacred pause. That's what he means in here, right? You just take that moment you know, and you, you pause three, two, one, relax, whatever technique works. It doesn't matter what technique you're using, but if you can pause during that moment and, and let it pass, cause it will, it feels really discomforting. It's like exercising, right? They get another, maybe I can give you a visualization of this is like when you're running or walking or yoga or biking or whatever, and you start to hit some suffering point and you're like, oh, I can just kind of push through this thing. And then all of a sudden when you get off, it just kind of passed away. You were able to move through it. It's the same thing here. And that energy comes up and it starts to be, it start, you start to suffer. It starts to feel very, very uncomfortable, more uncomfortable than you like. So therefore, instead of becoming unconscious or going to the mind to solve it, If you just sit with it for a second, this is that letting go concept. If you just sit with it and let it go, what will happen is it starts to pass and you go letting go, letting go. Then all of a sudden, it's not like you remember the moment that you just let go. What happens is, is like four or five minutes later, you come back and go, Hey, I don't feel that anymore. That's it. And as you start to let go and you get through those couple moments, then you can start, then you act and whatever you have to do, then you start taking action. But you first, consciousness means that I'm always conscious. Consciousness at work is meaning that I'm always aware that I'm aware. If you're in your mind, distracted, unconscious, you can't be conscious. So this is, it's not high Zen-like words that we have to try to describe. I'm just putting it in layman's terms. That's what happens. 
is unconscious just means that I can't handle the feeling that's inside me. So I'm going to go distract myself a whole bunch of things. And people do this with, they do this with drugs, alcohol, work, feeling like a fraud or imposter syndrome in this particular case that we're doing, but it all has a variation of not being okay and not willing to let that energy move its way through you. If it, I promise you, you won't win every time and you're not going to start off being these big things. Start with very small things that work. So you instantly, somebody pisses you off. Like I pissed Hallie off this morning <laughs> by, <laughs> by oh, changing it. Did it. Well, I know, but like I came in here, I was like, I don't like these slides. We're doing it. Something else for teaching. Oh, and yeah, see, I, I know. There was, I know, no, I'm there was just, no energy behind that for me. Good, that's good. Yeah. Um, but anyways, like whenever you do and like all of a sudden somebody does something or sends you an email, it can be construed wrong. Just start with something that's very small, like this whole letting go practice, right? Because imposter syndrome leads to letting go. The other thing about letting go is that you can practice this on very small things. Again, you get an email that you don't like. Okay, fine. You don't like it. You think it's personal. Let that go. Then respond. This is a great example. How many times have you responded from an, e an email only to call the person up on the phone and realize that it had nothing to do with how, the way you thought it was? And even if it was the way you thought it was, what good did that do by you sitting there responding from that unconscious state? I'm just trying to really put you know, mechanics of what people are doing in business, how they operate unconsciously, how they operate consciously. For example, yesterday we were having a couple tough conversations with people and there was an individual in this workplace that was walking around salty, like, and just head down and just doing these different things is challenging. And they were just aiming complete. And, and, and actually, um, somebody else walked into him and said, Hey, look, dude, there's some challenges going on right now for that. I understand that, but you walking around here negative, and just your head down and your, I walk by you and your energy just sucks does not solve the problem. And they were like, yeah, no. Can, can I ask a question about yeah. that? Because this is, um, I have no idea if this has anything to do with ego, letting go, whatever, but spare, just bear with me here. I noticed the exact, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I noticed the exact same thing. Why didn't I say something? And why did this person say something? I'm just curious, like, what do you think that what maybe was it? I, I'm just almost curious for myself and my own leadership. Like, well, why didn't you why say something? Wouldn't, um, well, I, you know, because, uh, yeah, sometimes I, um, especially with emotions, mm -hmm. um, I basically don't want to be wrong, particularly about how someone's feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just second guess myself, mm -hmm. even though it's so funny because I literally noticed mm -hmm. the exact same thing, but what was it in that person that made them speak up? And mine was of course fear, but then what did they have that I, that, that prompted them to say, say that. So well, I think they let go of the outcome. Yeah. Okay. That's a great, that's a great point. And I didn't letting go. Yeah. You went to your mind and said, and I thought, Oh, I'm going to be wrong. And I'm going to say something that's, that's not appropriate. That means, yeah. Well, that's just going unconscious. You went to your mind to try to solve the answer for you yeah. instead of just acting. Interesting. If you had just acted the minute you felt that energy show yeah. up there, if you just acted, yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't have gone to your mom. And by the way, your mom, <laughs> your mind, <laughs> your mind. I mean, and also how long did you even spend? 10 minutes thinking about it? 15 minutes? Probably not that long. Five minutes. But even then, like it's still five minutes that yeah. you just lost analyzing in your mind going, am I going to be right? Am I going to be wrong? What if yeah. it is? What did I do? Should yeah. I say something? Or I was like, did, is that really what I was seeing? Or yeah. is that, you know, I was just second guessing like yeah. what, what I even saw, how I felt, you know, that sort of thing. Well, in, in the beginning, what people can do, these are small things. If somebody, you feel that way, you can walk into them with zero energy on your part and go, Hey, I can be completely wrong. Yeah. You just seem down today. Yeah. You know, am I wrong on that? Yeah. And you'll be able to tell instantly how they yeah. respond. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, I'm fine. 
it's like I'll give you this prime example. Yeah, yesterday, I've done that before. Yeah, no, you have. Well, you like to do it to me sometimes because you feel more comfortable doing it to Probably, me. Probably because yeah. you can be wrong in front of me. Yeah, yeah. And you just need to learn to do that. Everybody else, and you don't have, you have no energy and ego behind you. Um, and that, and that, yes. yes. And so some of the individuals definitely do. And so the response would have been completely different if I had been wrong. It would have been a challenge. It would have been like, it would have been a, a battle with that person. Yeah. And like, and, and it's almost like probably this is subconsciously like, do I have the time, time and energy to, yes. to get into that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, last night it was, I could tell, um, oh, I was like, oh yeah, Sarah. I'm like, Hey, are you are like, is everything okay? I said something along those lines and she's like, yeah, it's fine. And I'm like, come here. And you know what I did? Instead of going like, no, it's not. I can tell. Yeah. I actually grabbed her and I just actually started giving her a hug. And I said, I want you to go to a soft place. I want you to think of bees and flowers. And she starts laughing. I was going to say, made her laugh. Yeah. It made her yeah. laugh. And she was like, she started being frustrated. And then she's, I said, I know you're How frustrated. You yeah. I started thinking about like, what are, what are the bees and the honey that you're making in this? And is there, wait, I just started being, I just was going yeah. off. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and at the end of it, she completely just let go. Yeah. And, and her energy was yeah. there. Instead of me responding, trying to be right, being like, see, I know something's wrong. You were just the way you responded. Yeah. Or trying to solve it. And trying to solve it for yeah. none of those things. Just to give you a practical example, but mm -hmm. you're not going to go hug a coworker and snuggle up against them right, and right. tell them about those <laughs> things. But you can lose. See, in that moment, I wasn't trying to be right. I wasn't trying to get one on her. I was literally just trying to defuse her energy mm -hmm. in the best way. And I didn't think about it. I just, that's what came out. Right. Or I was going to say, I don't know, again, if this is true, but and maybe not even diffuse it, but just let her energy, give, give her energy space. Space to yes. work its way through. And then it, right, exactly. Well, that's, and that's all that I'm yeah. saying is. In you that, weren't trying to do anything. No. You were literally just giving it space. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I gave this advice um, two days ago to somebody. I said, hey, in the midst of your partner having one of their arguments with you and you wanting to respond, I said, I want you to go give them a hug. I said, it's not even for them. I said, how difficult will it be for you in that moment to go hug? I said, if you can do that, because what you do in that moment, that is a feel that is, that is in the place letting go. Mm. You understand? Because the only reason why you, because the minute you're conscious again, you go, oh, give me a hug. Let me, let me, I'm so sorry. Right. It's just when you're unconscious, you know what you're saying isn't right, but there's a part of you that loves the feeling of being of that, of that ego egoic level of conscious responding. Like you're like, Oh, I love anger. Everyone has this preferred place to go, whether they withhold, whether they respond to anger or do something or just leave or whatever they do. Mm -hmm. That's a preferred place. People like to go with their egos. Yeah. That's actually super interesting. this is maybe too much information, but my, my response is like the fight response, mm -hmm. right? Like I can, I could argue mm -hmm. any side of any, you know, and just argue, argue, argue. And then, um, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and cause I don't even necessarily feel like I need to be right. I'm just like, Oh, let's, oh, argue. Let, let's argue. Cause yeah. like, why not? And, yeah. um, and then I'm thinking about my husband, which is his, is his, is re retreat. Yeah. So I'm like chasing, you know, we'll ch <laughs> chasing around, want to fight. And he's just yeah. like <laughs> getting further and further away. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, preferred, preferred responses. Well, no, and it's, it's response, but it's also a preferred place that we go to because we know we can control it. Mm. We know how we're going to feel in that state. Right. So we know what anger feels like. We know what argument feels like. Yeah. We know what we do. So that's the egoic level of conscious. That's, that is unconsciousness. So when people say, because people are like, what does unconsciousness mean? That's what it means. That's all it means. It's, it's just a word that people describe. It's not big word. It doesn't mean like you can't understand it. All it means is like when you become an emotion and you start acting from that emotion, you're actually unconscious because you can't stop 
stop it. Now, however, the advice that I can give to people in the workplace or at home, right? We're conscious at work, but this kind of works both ways is in that moment. Can you give your partner a hug? Can you give your kid a hug? When my kids start yelling, I don't go yell at them. I don't put in their time out. I actually go up to them and I just like sing out loud and I'm a terrible singer and they say, stop singing dad. And they yell, but then they start laughing. I'm like, you love my singing, right? Just, I just, I'm not responding to their energy. So therefore, if I'm not fighting their energy, it doesn't stay An ignored guest quickly leaves. So how, so what's a good technique in the workplace? Same way. Yeah. To, You're not going to hug them, right, but like them space. the same thing. So when, energy yeah, space. so when somebody's in there and, and somebody's having a challenge, you can sit down with them and saying, Hey, you know what? I just want, I love for to hear what's on your mind. I'm really interested to hear. Is everything okay? If they say, and typically people are like, you know, it's okay, but you know, this is kind of going on. I'm like, well, tell me more. But the thing is, is when you're in that conversation, you have to let go before you go in there. Mm-hmm. If you, cause most people go in there like I'm the boss, you see my title, right? Or like I'm in here and we need to get stuff done. You need to shape up your attitude. That doesn't work. That may, that fear tactic may get them the change right, right yeah. there, or you're, I'm going to fire you, whatever it is. That doesn't work. You have to actually go in there and treat them like a human. That's the empathy. Like yeah. they're going through something. They're unconscious. So you can sit down with them and bring consciousness to yourself. And then I promise you, you don't even need to think about it. If you just go in there conscious of saying, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm just going to go into this conversation and start off by saying, are you okay? And I mean, that's it. And you're not saying it like, are you okay? Like there's something wrong with you. No, it's like, are you okay? And you genuinely are curious about whether or not the person's okay. But the thing is, is in, in a, in a group setting, which the whole point of having a group is to have diverse opinions, by the way, that's what the funny thing is like as leaders, a lot of times we like to have people that kind of tell us yes, mm-hmm. um, cause it makes us feel good instead of having people in the room that, um, are completely different viewpoints of us. That's the whole point. If you don't have different viewpoints in a room, then you shouldn't be in the room. <laughs> because mm-hmm. you all just agree. So when you're in there, you have different discussions. You have to first let go of that. So when you're coming into that, when we're getting into the communication in, uh, in, in next session, but you have to really let go. But really, we wanted to, in this session, really, really get you to understand, like on the ground, you're, you, at some point you may feel like a fraud. You may feel inauthentic, imposter syndrome. And then what does that actually feel like? I'm trying to just drill that down to the core because somebody will, people will give you techniques on how to derail that and that'll work in the moment, but it's just going to show back up. I want to work at the root at this consciousness that work, right? That's the work that we do at the deep level of working as to why do I feel that way? Right. Well, the only reason why the energy is there and it feels that way, it's like that inauthentic because wouldn't you want to walk around, be happy for people's success? I mean, truly actually happy, mm-hmm. right. Or truly happy for somebody else in the organization succeeding or truly happy for somebody else succeeding in some level or, or whatever that is. Um, however, our ego likes to needs to feed on something. And so it knows your preferred place. That's why it goes to it quickly. It's the least path of resistance. It's what water will do and it's what the ego will do. It'll take whatever place that it can and it knows if you're 30 years old or 40 years old, it knows over 40 years exactly how to grab you. And so therefore, that's why you ever noticed it grabs you on the thoughts. It just, like you could be doing fine, great day. All of a sudden somebody says one thing and it's not even a big deal and you're like, just like, it's like the mind went boo and you're now really upset because it needs to sustain itself. That's why the only way to get rid or, or bring true consciousness to yourself, which you can bring it obviously to work and raising your level of personal growth or raising your level of consciousness is to actually remove the part of you that doesn't allow you to have that now. 
And the only way you can remove that part of you, it's not to work with it. The only way to remove that is to actually let it pass. And so consciousness at work is personal growth at work. It is that ability of when you hit defensive energy and posture syndrome and fraud and inauthentic, or I feel like I need to struggle against something. And if I'm feeling effortless, but I don't feel like I'm doing enough, or I need to work more, I need to read more. And you hear somebody else reading more. I'm not feeling this or whatever it is I'm doing. You then start to build up this energy that starts to say, well, something's wrong. And then in that moment, that's when you have to let go. And the example that you can use is that the rope example, which um, Michael Singer actually first used this rope about the rope analogy about letting go. He also uses two, two different analogies. The one that I like a lot is like, he's like, hey, most people their entire life, particularly at work or in any life, are actually playing this tug of war game. And they're just trying to get home. Their home's 100 yards and they're holding on to this three inch rope playing tug of war with an NFL team. And they're sitting there trying to pull the NFL teams, pulling them back. They're sitting there. They have a coach comes in and changes their, their, their grips and tries backwards and tries to do different thing. You try on your side, you try all these different techniques to try to let, try to get, get home. Right. And that's why techniques only work at a certain level. They're trying to, they're just literally just trying all this thing until all of a sudden one day, maybe the Yoda walks in or the Buddha walks in and he just says, Hey, Howie, just let go of the rope. And you go like, no, I can't let go of the rope. If I get pulled, if I let go of the rope, then I'll be pulled by this NFL team. And you go, no, if you're not holding the rope, they can't pull you anywhere. The same thing with that's letting go. The same thing with emotions. If you don't touch the emotion, it can't pull you anywhere. So it can't pull you unconscious. If you let go of the rope in, but you have to do it the minute it shifts. If you don't touch the rope, it can't actually pull you. I understand in that moment, it feels like it's going to pull you. It feels very uncomfortable, but if you just don't touch the rope and that's the moment you can use every technique that you can have the three, two, one, relax, you can go to a mantra, you can run around, you can do pushups, you can listen to music, whatever you need to do in that moment to just not touch that rope. And, and you know what that means, whether you want to actually experience what that is, because you have to sit through a tremendous amount of discomfort. But what you'll find is there's an incredible gift on the other side of this. The minute you don't let go, you don't touch that rope. It just is gone. And then all of a sudden, the clarity, the clarity that you have of what is next shows up. And that is bringing consciousness to work that you just become the best at whatever you're doing. You want to be best in business. You want to be best in leadership. You want to be best at your job as an employee. You want to be best at the email you're about to draft, the best that you're doing in a podcast, the best that you're doing in an interview. You let go and then act. You may not do it right. You may learn, but you showed up at the best ability that you can in that moment versus grabbing a hold of the rope, fighting the rope, just because in that moment, when you grab that rope, you get to temporarily relieve that discomfort that's there. It's like if you're going through withdrawals on a drug and they give you a drug, you're going to feel better. It's the same thing here. If you're, if you start to go through withdrawal, been holding on to this rope for all your life and you let go of it, it's going to be very painful. So the natural tendency is to want to grab the rope again. If you grab the rope, it's like literally giving somebody more drugs that made them have the withdrawal in the first place. And they go, oh, I feel better. I just want that drug. Thank you. I feel better. It's, it's the same thing you're doing. You're just doing this. We're just, nobody talks to people this way and particularly in work. And so you just have to, that's what letting go means, because this is going to be a, a prerequisite in the next couple sessions of really what does letting go mean? So we want to dig deep on that in there. Yeah, I can see you have some questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is it right if I go back to some of the imposter yeah. syndrome stuff? So, okay. Couple, couple thoughts and questions come up. Um, we're, we were talking about sometimes when work begins to feel, okay, let's say you let go 
And so work starts to, when you're at work or doing your work, so it may start to feel eff- easier and more effortless, which then sometimes kicks into the imposter syndrome or feeling like a fraud um, during this effortless phase. But yet we also talk about or often talk about how in order to grow, you have to get uncomfortable and you need that kind of struggle and that friction almost um, to you know get comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's what pushes you to grow. Yet we also are saying um, this effortless state is maybe actually where we might do our best work. So how does that all um, play together? Well, I think in the beginning, it becomes very uncomfortable. Once you get through the uncomfortableness, then you're actually just comfortable in the seat of self. You're comfortable in your new state. Right. But then am I not growing anymore because I'm no longer uncomfortable? No, I think you're growing. I just think you're growing in different ways. You're growing with clarity. You're growing. See, being uncomfortable means that you are most likely creating stress in your life over something, which means you're resisting something or maybe you're um, whatever that is. So let's just give you an example of like, I'll give you an example, like public speaking. I was going to just say the same one. Okay. Yeah. So public speaking, what makes you actually uncomfortable public speaking? I'm just going to make up. Um, never done it before. So it's new. Okay. But what, um, dig deeper. What does that mean? Never done it before, so it's new. Um, Why? I don't know if I'll be good at it. Great. And then what happens if you're not good at it? Then I um, may not get that raise. Okay. Then what happens if you don't get the raise? <laughs> I know where you're going here. Um, so, okay. Then um, my, I might, might, won't be able to support my family. Great. What happens if you don't support your family? How are you going to feel? Um, well, I may not have a home. Okay. If you don't have a home, how are you going to feel? Um... I'm going to feel scared. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if you're scared, then ultimately, how are you going to feel? Um, <laughs> now we're getting to feelings. You know, that's not my strong suit. Um, I will feel, I know what you want me like to a say. Failure? Yeah. I will feel like I'll feel not like, be loved. Well, see, not necessarily. Yeah. I'll feel like a failure. Um, which ultimately, if you feel like a failure, which is basically saying the only reason my failure holds you is because then if you're saying, if I feel like a failure, then I can't be loved. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because I, I know that we use that often as, and I'm just going to speak from personal experience. That's never been my experience. I'm never look, I'm never looking. Never then why? Gonna, I'm going to clarify though. I'm not looking for, oh, I'm afraid that somebody's not going to love me. Mm-hmm. For me, it's, I don't love myself. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's, because I, I never feel that external, the yes, um, other people's pressure from other people. It can, it always it's comes always down to self. You can always drive down to one of two things. Either yeah. I don't love myself or somebody's not going to love me. Yeah. And the thing is, is that's where you use public speaking. If you just let go all the way at the beginning, <laughs> then there is no pressure. What am I letting go of? You're letting go of the fear, which is what the mind is saying anyways, of you not being worthy because you may fail. Right. If you let go of that at the root then public speaking doesn't matter. Right. I don't really know where I was starting with. Well, no, it's good. It's a great, it's a great, Oh, about being uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, Because I can give you a million examples of now. Did I grow through that experience of putting myself into a situation where I was not going to be comfortable? Yeah. I mean, we could sit there and I could give you the answer that most people probably want the surface level answers of like, Hey, you can go through comfortable. I'm actually, what you and I were teaching today is the deepest part of this which is like, if you're actually willing to trace this back and being okay of letting go of you needing any validation from anything externally, 
and you can let go of that part, then I promise you, if you truly have let go of that, public speaking will not be a problem. Yeah. You may not go do it because that may not be your thing. It's not like sure. you're going to, you don't have to jump up and say, oh, I'm going to go public speak. But if you're asked to go public speak and you truly don't care about what the audience thinks or how you're, um, I don't mean don't care that you're not going to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not personally attached to the outcome of what the audience thinks of you so that you can feel validation from that. Yes. And what I was going to say is that actually the very, the most uncomfortable thing you can do, I think is do exactly what we're talking about, which is learn how to let go. Yes. And so I'm almost just answered my own question. That's wonderful. Yeah. Which, yeah, because it doesn't really matter what the thing is that you're doing to get uncomfortable. Working at the root Mm -hmm. is actually the most uncomfortable thing. Even me just saying that was uncomfortable. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's wonderful. And thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's, that literally is consciousness. You're now you're seeing that you can play at whatever field level you want. Like there's plenty of people that are going to tell you techniques of how to go practice. All those things work. They're yeah, wonderful. Yeah. But at the and end of the do, day, do help you identify some of those things, even just walking absolutely. through that. Right. I was like, absolutely. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. They, they all work. Yeah. They all work, but there's, there's millions of minutes of information about what techniques to do. Today, we're working at the absolute root of all of these things for consciousness that work, which all comes down to the same variation of letting go or surrender. I got another question for yeah, you. Shoot. So obviously, not obviously, but a lot of leaders, this is going to be a generalization. Let's just say people work professionals, but leaders often have egos mm-hmm. more in the more of the traditional, maybe more of the traditional sense that we might think of an ego, whether it's like, look at me. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of that, or I'm, I'm always right. Or, um, my time is more valuable. Like those, those sorts of things. Um, but to a certain degree it served them. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm just kind of, my question is at what point does it no longer, some of those things are, are they bad? Because I mean, they may have gotten to where they are because of their ego to a certain degree. Um, because maybe they have amazing negotiation skills because they always want to be right. And yeah. that helped them land major deals. Yeah. Um, so they are therefore successful at work and they can provide for their family and there's no scarcity there and like, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Right. We can go, we can trace it all, all back. So what are your thoughts on that? There's no right or wrong. It's just where, what, what do you want? If you want to be really good at the relative world, and you want to be really good at playing an egoic level of consciousness, which is where the ego comes in, then you'll work on all those things. If you really want, the only reason why you want money, the only reason you want a big house or a nicer house, the only reason for most, virtually 99% of people, well, they want, the reason they want that is to feel a certain way. Instead of doing all of that, which works, and you can make billions of dollars, you can have the big house and then be miserable, which is what most people are, or they relatively get themselves okay, but they're still not, they've built their house on sand. So when the wind comes or it goes away or they have fear of losing it, you've just relatively made, I understand for a year you can make it perfectly fine, but something shows up, the economy turns, something happens. But you can have both. What? You can have. Yes, but let me, let me yes. say virtually 99% of people in your case, in your example that you're saying that are operating that serve them well, there's no doubt that that got them where they are. The ego drives a lot of that. Mm-hmm. They've driven, they've to have their name on hospitals to whatever it is to build a foundation, all of those things, their ego has driven that and it's served them in that relative field. If that's what you want, then that's fine. I'm never going to tell anybody not to go after that. However, if what you really want is peace, joy, enthusiasm, the unconditional love that you can feel, you're not going to ever get that by operating in that place. But yes, 
and ever. And, but to my point, you can just because somebody has their name on a hospital doesn't mean that they're um, not a conscious person. There's very few people that have their name on a hospital that are actually conscious. Very few. And you can tell them instantaneously. I'll give you a great example of a conscious person who does a lot of philanthropy. And that's Ray Dalio. Yeah, he's the one that came to mind. But because you know what, he does a lot of philanthropy. But we also what we also need to say is that owns a highly yes, he does built a massively successful organization. And he doesn't flaunt it. He doesn't go off and 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 say that he's amazing human being for doing these things. He doesn't operate from that egoic level of conscious. He loves radical. He's a very conscious leader. And there's other ones too. There's, mm-hmm. you know, the CEO of Patagonia is another great example of these things. They're yes. Well, they're out. Michael Singer. Michael Singer is a great. Ex- yes. I mean, yeah. look, he's not even, he doesn't want to take an interview. He doesn't want to do anything. Cause he does not. He doesn't want to, he just doesn't want to, he wants to hide an ordinary life. It's really what he wants to do. But a lot of these, and doesn't mean that's necessarily the truth. Even Eckhart Tolle actually heard him in an underground talk the other day saying that I, right now, people think that, you know, he even actually acknowledges like sometimes people see me as a spiritual teacher who, you know, puts on these things and makes money. But what they don't see is how much money I just give away to all of our different things and, and how little this actually brings me of joy. He goes, yes, the material is comfort. It's great. And if it's there, but he goes, if it ever, if this energy ever decided to not go in this path of, which I thought was really interesting, this last part, he said, if the energy decided, this manifestation of this energy that started to come up, decided to take me in a different path, meaning to no longer be a spiritual teacher, I would stop instantly. Meaning that like he would just, he's doing it right now because he has this, this innate sense of growth and sharing with the world. Mm-hmm. But he said, if that ever changes, he goes, I would just, it goes, zoom, it's out. He would just stop. He would stop. Right. I would right. just go hide, not hide, but like, I would just go live his life. Live his life. Okay. And so that's the whole point. So it does serve you. Absolutely. However, it's not what people want. It's just, they're thinking that that's going to get them what they want. Cause what mm-hmm. people really want is joy, enthusiasm. Look, if you woke up and you felt the energy that you can feel the, the peace, the joy that you can feel that's rushing through you, it wouldn't care. Yes. You may still go have your name on a hospital. You may still have those things, but it's different. Like Ray Dalio is a great example of that the guy showed up on TV the other day in a bathrobe. I think I've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just a great example. He's just sipping tea on a, in a bathrobe. He just, he's like, well, my knowledge. Great. I'm not going to dress up for anything. Not because he's trying to renounce that. It's just like, I'm just showing up. It's just the way you want to do it. So it's, what do you want? What level you're playing at? That's all that, that's what it comes down to. And you're never going to get somebody to play at a different level until they really have oriented their life in that direction. There's nothing you can say that's ever going to get somebody to go in a different direction unless they want to. Mm-hmm. I don't mean their ego. I mean the true self wants to. And that orientation drives different questions and drives different behavior patterns. Remember, spirituality is not about changing what you do. It's about changing the part of you that's doing it. I.e., based on this conversation, you can hopefully see that it's not changing your actions. It's changing how the energy manifests the actions, which then changes the result in the outcome. Because you've changed, you've let go of needing something. The Gita, by the way, is a great example of this. It's like the, the, if you haven't read the Gita, there's many different versions that are out there, but it talks a lot about activity in life. And that's, I think it's one of the great examples of showing that we're not living in a passive world anymore. And we're not living in the, in, in, there's a, there's the city called all saints in, in the Himalayas, which is where for thousands of years, most people went to, and they just 
lived in All Saints. That's where the people went. That doesn't, you can go visit it. It's wonderful. There's masters there, but that's not where, that's not our, there's so many people showing up every day as ordinary people that are enlightened or conscious that just, that aren't on podcasts, that aren't doing that. They're teachers, they're doing those different things. And you're just dismissing them because they don't fit your mold. It's like, you know, you can have parents that way. Like they just, they operate completely differently. So it just depends on what level you want to play at. And when, when you decide truly what you want for your life and that that's the truth of who you are, then the path becomes super clear. And then actually life becomes super simple. You know, we'll end with this today. There was, um, uh, Greg McCowan wrote a book called Effortless and I was listening to a, a podcast with him and Tim Ferriss, which is great. Um, and he asked, Tim asked him, he said, is there anything left out of Effortless? And he said, yes. He said, I left out something that's still kind of haunt is the right thing, but like I kind of feel like I should have put it in there. And he said, he said he during his research, he was interviewing this woman who had lost her child. I think at like 10 years old and just ran, like just, she developed some sort of cancer. There's a great child all along and developed this cancer. And so she was holding his hand at the bedside and he started to fade and fade. And so she climbed in the bed with him to be next to him and hold him. If you have kids, you kind of do that whole thing. You kind of hold your child and he hadn't been talking and he was transitioning between this life and the next life. And he turned to his mom and said, Oh, it's all so simple, mom. It's all so simple. And that was the last words he spoke and he passed. And really, I believe from there and, and, and Greg said a little bit differently and Tim did too, but it's a great mantra in life that it's all so simple. The only reason why it's complicated is because we allow our minds to complicate everything. Our minds complicate it because it says you need to get this, this, and this to be happy, but it's just actually all so simple. If you no longer need anything, it's all so simple. It doesn't mean life goes your way. It doesn't mean it's not easy. It's you're just here for seconds. You're a guest here. It's actually very simple to actually sit back and just enjoy what's in front of you. And if you can do that at work, which you can enjoy the challenges that you're in. I mean, not just accept them, but be grateful that you can actually be here seeing this on earth. Then that acceptance and that gratitude for whatever you're going through at work is the greatest gift of personal growth or conscious growth that you're going to have at work itself. Hey everybody, thanks for hanging with us today at Consciousness at Work series. Since it's work and money has something to do with work, right? <laughs> we're going to be, and we love to give and contribute. We're going to be giving away $5,000 in a review challenge. Hallie, tell us the details. Yeah, if you've been thinking about um, leaving us a review, but you haven't yet, now is a great time to do that because we are giving away $5,000. Um, all you have to do is two things. One, go to our website and sign up for the Consciousness at Work series at adamhergenrother.com slash consciousness at work. And then the second part is going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a review. If you do those two things, you'll be entered to win $5,000. Love it. 